Women are essential to the church, and women's ministry is a vital part of a church's life. A unique context for life-on-life fellowship and intergenerational discipleship, the health of a church's women's ministry can have a huge impact on the health of a church as a whole. In my interview today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Courtney Doctor and Joanna Kimbrell to discuss the state of women's ministry in the U.S. today. They delve into the key questions and concerns that arise in women's ministry, touching on practical issues like how to get started and what it looks like to encourage life-on-life discipleship. They also explore the topic of women's leadership and their role in complementarian churches, offering advice to pastors and other church leaders who are eager to support the women in their church. Courtney and Joanna have a lot of experience serving God's people, and it was great to hear their wisdom when it comes to what a healthy women's ministry should look like. Courtney serves as the Director of Women's Initiatives, and Joanna serves as a Content Coordinator for the Gospel Coalition. Their new Bible study is called Behold and Believe, a Bible study on the I Am Statements of Jesus from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Courtney and Joanna, thank you so much for joining me on the Crossway Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So Courtney, when you talk with women in the church, what are the big issues that you most often get questions about? If you had to boil mm-hmm. things down to just a handful of topics, uh, what are those? You know, I would say that most of the questions come in, they're either practical questions. So asking things like, um, how do I set up a women's ministry? Or how can I get women in my church to disciple each other? How does that happen? How do I get women to show up for Bible study and do their Bible study? Uh, so when the, the questions about women, women's ministry come, a lot of them are just really practical mm. questions. But I would say the other set of questions that gets asked a lot are questions around leadership and where women um, fit in a complementarian church, where women fit and can serve, and how can there be space for women to advocate for other women, to care for other women mm. in the context of the broader leadership and, and the vision and mission of the church. So I do get a lot of questions about, about that yeah. and, and how to go about partnering with um, the pastors and the church leaders in the women's ministry. Yeah. Joanna, any other topics that come to mind when you think about the questions or the concerns that women tend to bring to you when it comes to women's ministry? Yeah, well, I would say in addition to kind of these questions about women's ministry itself, there's also the questions that the women who are coming to the women's ministry are asking. Mm. You know, so I hear a lot of questions about what does it look like to live faithfully? Um, how do I interact with the culture around me in a way that is winsome and, and also biblical? A lot of questions about mental health, about things like gender and sexuality. Questions about how to engage in spiritual disciplines. What does it look like to pray? How can I approach scripture when I don't know how or when I'm in a spiritually dry season? And so these questions aren't so much about women's ministry, but, but about the women who are participating yeah. in women's ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've both been involved in women's ministry in different capacities for a long time. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could just give us uh, a summary of kind of what that's looked like for each of you. Uh, Courtney, let's start with you. What is it? What does it look like for you over the years? My summary is going to be a little longer than Joanna's probably (laughs) just based on years in it. I really didn't come to know the Lord until my early 20s. And so my first experience in women's ministry was just being a participant Mm. and benefiting from it was a space that 
the Lord really used to grow me and to call me deeper into relationship with himself. And so just as a participant first, but then I would say that quickly turned into something I wanted to invest in mm. and help other women experience what I had experienced. Do you remember like the, the most the first lady in your church or whatever context this was who kind of had that, was there, was there someone who had that influence on you and you, you looked at them and you said, I, I think I want to do that. I want to give my life to that. Hmm, what a great question. I can actually. Do you want an actual name? Or, if you, yeah. you want to share Jo Coltrane. Yeah. She, I think, still does women's ministry at First E Free in Wichita, Kansas, and she was a BSF teaching leader. Hmm. And just her diligence in showing up every week to teach the word and just her faithful discipleship, even from, you know, a little bit of a distance. And she's continued to encourage. I'll get an email or mm. a Facebook message and mm. uh, just encouraging me and what I'm doing. So yeah. so she's remained, that faithful presence has remained. But it matters that that life on life yeah. embodied <laughs> gospel presence really matters. Mm. Okay. So after then this, in your 20s, it sounds mm-hmm. like you kind of mm-hmm. were getting exposed to this. What was next? So I I did want to, I wanted to learn how to be a small group leader. And that then turned into a, there was a large women's Bible study that I got to participate in the teaching and the leadership of. And then I I helped for years just as a lay leader in women's ministry, choosing curriculum and teaching the weekly Bible study and talking about how to create and implement discipleship programming and, and just love that. And then went to seminary. And then I went on staff at a church as the director of women's ministry and really just even the experience of being a lay leader in that and then and then being on staff mm. um, was really fantastic and really just something that again I mean that's we love the local church and so getting called out of that to to work at TGC and the women's initiatives it you know I thought oh I don't want to be separated from the local church but the reality is TGC exists to equip the women in the local church and to resource them in the local church and so so I do still have that that the local church in sight in, mm. in all that we do. Yeah. How about you, Joanna? What is your, your journey in women's ministry looked like over the years? Yeah. Well, you know, when you asked Courtney about kind of what was that catalyst, it made me start thinking that I think it was in high school when just not so much towards women's ministry specifically, but my love for the word of God and the way that community, the community of the church gathers around the mm. word of God was really just kind of sparked, um, was actually in high school. And mm-hmm. I went to a private Christian high school. And I remember taking a theology class, which I realized that's quite an odd thing to have a theology class in high school. But the Lord used that class and that experience to just give me this love for his word and mm. this desire to share with other people. Mm. Um, And even some of my high school teachers would come to me and say, hey, I think you should think about teaching. Um, And even just people calling out what I later learned was a gifting that God had given me, kind of sent me in that direction to start to look that way. But as far as women's ministry, I also started out as a participant, benefiting from women's Bible studies and just the community of my local church. And The ways that I've served in women's ministry over the years has been in a volunteer capacity. Mm. Um, So I currently serve on my church's women's teaching team um, to help teach some of the Bible studies and have contributed to some different curriculum. And um, most recently was able to do some training for some of our new teachers in the women's ministry. So it's been really amazing to see 
so many women excited about God's word and wanting to share that with the other women in our church as yeah. well. Um, and then now at TGC, I work with Courtney um, as a coordinator for women's initiatives. So we get to yeah, help equip churches all around the world. Mm. That's so wonderful. And I, I love even hearing those stories of people oftentimes earlier in their lives when they, mm-hmm. they do catch a vision for life as a Christian, for studying the Bible, for mm-hmm. theology. Uh, and it always strikes me that so often it seems like even for people who grew up in a Christian home with solid parents who, who discipled them in different ways, it's amazing how often though it's those other older believers mm-hmm. who aren't their parents who nevertheless poured into them right. and discipled them and and, yeah. and modeled perhaps even spiritual disciplines, those people can sometimes have That's the biggest right. influence on our lives. Have you found that to be the case even in your own ministries? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that those intentional relationships where someone who's further along in the faith has stepped alongside of me and um, encouraged me have been some of the sweetest relationships that I've had and have also shown me the heart of Christ for Mm -hmm. me and for the church. There's a woman right now, since we're saying names, uh, her name is Robin Lyerly, and she is a woman in my church who she also teaches on our women's teaching team and has a very different teaching style than I do, um, has a very different personality than I do, and the relationship that we have is such a gift to me Mm -hmm. because I've learned so much from her. She's texted me multiple times today saying, I'm praying for you as you go into this. I'm praying for you as you go into that. And that gift is a reminder, even when, you know, sometimes church things are hard, it's a reminder that this is what the body of Christ does, Mm -hmm. that we come alongside each other and we encourage and we push each other to continue to grow in the faith. And Mm -hmm. so that's definitely been true for me. Mm -hmm. So Courtney, you mentioned a minute ago Mm -hmm. that you you worked on an MDiv uh, and you Mm -hmm. got that from Covenant Seminary about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You finished that. And that's a degree that's most often associated with pastoral ministry and people who are going to go into the pastorate. As a complementarian, mm-hmm. how did you think about pursuing that degree? And, and some people might kind of wonder, why, why would you spend all that time and mm-hmm. energy and hard work on an MDiv? Uh, how, how, how did you view that work as part of your ministry? When we first started, and I say we, my husband and I went together uh, to seminary in our 40s, and we first, I was doing, signing up for a different degree, and it was actually our our pastor at the time that said, this is the degree that will help equip you the most for teaching. It's, it's the degree that's designed because of the original languages and because of the work that you end up then doing with the original languages in the different courses. It is the degree that's going to equip you. And he said, I really think you need to consider doing the MDiv. And it, it took that encouragement from that pastor for me to have the confidence to say, yeah, I think this is the one I want to do. Mm. So that was how it came to be. And I think that I, I had a friend who had done an MDiv, a woman who had done an MDiv several, maybe a decade before me. And she said that when she was asked that question, one of her answers has become, who do you want teaching the women in your church? Not that you need a seminary degree to teach, but somebody who's, you know, taking the time to be theologically educated, whether it's informally or formally theologically educated, how you go about that, that's who we want to be raising up to to teach the word in gender-specific learning spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love how it, that decision is just, it, it does so perfectly 
highlight the value, the importance of that ministry work of teaching the word to, to women in the church. And you as well, Joanna, you're currently working on, almost finished with, as you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier today, yeah. almost finished with a uh, Master's of Arts in Theological Studies. Uh, yeah. What led you to decide to do that? And what's that been like for you doing that over the last few years? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned that high school classroom when I just realized how much I love to learn about scripture and to learn about God. I think I had this this moment where I thought, because I was kind of a rule follower as a kid, I thought that I had all the answers about God and I kind of knew everything that there was to know. And I know we can laugh at that now because that was so wrong, but I knew from that moment that I wanted to continue to learn more. Um, and as I, you know, started to receive encouragement to consider teaching and people who helped me learn how to teach scripture, I knew that I wanted to be further equipped to do that well. Um, And so not only in order to teach others, but for my own edification and just for various roles in which I might serve in my local church, it's really been kind of this, it benefits every part of my Mm -hmm. life kind of Mm -hmm. experience. So much personal growth and even, you know, the friendships and the discipleship relationships that I'm a part of has been so beneficial. I know I told you earlier, for me, this has been a multiple year endeavor (laughs) um, with lots of time off and on, um, but it's been kind of sweet to take one class at a time Mm -hmm. and to really be able to marinate in that and really to be able to apply that information in real time. Yeah. Uh, has has been a real gift. And the further along I get into the degree, the more I realize how much more I still have to learn, mm. which is an exciting thing. In yeah, my opinion. absolutely. That's how I ended seminary thinking. Mm-hmm. All I've really learned is how much I still have yeah. to learn. <laughs> <laughs> how far I have to go. Yeah. It's exciting. It's mm-hmm. a little humbling, but it's mm-hmm. very exciting mm-hmm. too. Yeah, true. So, Courtney, I wonder if you can fill in the blank with this sentence. Women's ministry in the U.S. today is... What? Vital. Hmm. It is vital for so many reasons. I think that part of what we've just been talking about, that there is something that happens when, and it's usually a younger woman and an older woman, she sees something in that woman's life because you can identify with that. You can think, I could know the word like that. That that word, that same word could cultivate that type of godliness in my life. And so you see that when you see it in someone who's like you. So a gender-specific learning space, the research will say and show us that Women are more, not not to a person, but as a broad brush, women are more likely to raise their hand, to enter a discussion, to answer a question when they are in a group of women versus a mixed gender space. And so that participation in the conversation, there's growth that happens there. There's care that can happen one, one to another that's different because maybe the women get what it's like to try to to balance taking the work and kids and family and just everything that might be going on. But in gender-specific learning spaces, I think that we allow women to care for each other, to advocate for each other, to come alongside each other, to disciple each other. And, and it's just different then. It's not, I would never say that we only need gender-specific learning spaces. I would never say that. We need our brothers and fathers and sons and in the same way that, that our brothers and fathers and sons need their you know spiritual mothers and, and daughters and sisters uh, desperately. And so, so it's not the only place, but I think it's a really vital place that we do guard and protect and continue to invest in. And then I would say the second part of that, if it's women's ministry, so the women's part, that's what I was just talking about, but the ministry part of it is that it's not just a bunch of women getting together for coffee. It's it's ministry. It is word-based and gospel-centered, and it is 
women pointing women to Christ and to the word and how the gospel impacts what they're doing Mm -hmm. um, as a gendered human being. And so I think that those two things are just vital. Joanna, how would you summarize how things have changed when it comes to women's ministry in in recent years? Uh, Any any thoughts on a trajectory that might be there? I think one thing that I've noticed is kind of a resurgence of a focus on biblical literacy for women that, you know, kind of ebbs and flows over time. But we see so many studies and teachers who are focused on equipping women to be able to read their Bibles for themselves and to know what's in there, to know the story of Scripture. And that's a really exciting thing because I know that when I first began to see that and learn that, it made me want to go back to the Word. And it made it to where I felt like this was something that wasn't just something I had to do, but something that is so life-giving, really exciting to be able to read God's Word. Um, I think there's been an increase in a desire for authenticity and transparency, actually walking alongside one another and not just coming and putting on your best face, but actually sharing sin struggles and really challenging circumstances and actually bearing one another's burdens and walking alongside each other in a way that is so necessary. And sometimes we can feel as if, oh, that's not welcome here. But I think that there's a push towards sharing what you're experiencing and actually helping each other in the midst of that. I think along with that, a lot of times women's ministry has shifted towards, this is another positive thing, has shifted more towards being focused around scripture and being focused around prayer, these kind of essentials of the Christian faith instead of just social spaces. Mm. And so that growth is able to happen to a greater degree. Um, So that's kind of the the positive side. I would say if there's some maybe dangers that I've seen, you know, social media is huge right now. Here we are recording a podcast, right? So we're very much aware of this, that there is so much amazing content that's available virtually, digitally. But along with that, there can be the temptation to have virtual discipleship, um, where you are not sitting at a table with someone who knows you and knows your story and knows your family and knows your struggles, but someone who really doesn't know all that. And then thinking that, oh, well, that person can still speak into my life Mm -hmm. and speak into my experience. And the amount that we can speak into someone else's life who we don't know is very limited. And if that is the only form of discipleship that we're seeking, there's a lot of room for error there. Mm-hmm. And so that's not to say that these resources aren't helpful. They're, I think it's amazing that we have so many resources just available to us right at our fingertips. But the embodied church, the in-person one-on-one relationships are vital and we can't lose those. Yeah. And it seems to me from my vantage point that we're kind of living through an unprecedented season of fruitfulness when it comes to women's Bible study uh, as a, not just a category or a concept, but even in terms of the resources that are coming out, the Bible teachers that we have today who are just committing themselves as both of you have in different ways to Uh, helping women to read and understand the Bible and encouraging that in the context of the church. And you two have a new Bible study coming out with Crossway called Behold and Believe, and it's a study where you're going through all of the I Am statements in the Gospel of John that Jesus says. Um, But there's so many other wonderful resources that come out all the time in in our Mm -hmm. circles, it Mm -hmm. seems. And I wonder, Courtney, can you offer any 
explanation uh, or um, commentary on why we're in this this season of flourishing and of fruitfulness on this front. Uh, Obviously, the Lord is sovereign and he's at Mm -hmm. work and we want to give all gratitude to him for these things. But as you think about just the last couple decades or Mm -hmm. so, is there something behind the season that we're in today? I do think that obviously it is the Lord sending his spirit and, and seasons come and go. He sets up times and seasons. You know, he is sovereign over all of it. And so he is at work in his church. And it's certainly not the first time, right? We look back over the history of the church and there have been multiple times where uh, both men and women, but we see specifically what we're talking about is women having this desire for biblical literacy. And we've certainly seen that in the past. I think that there is a resurgence. And I think part of it is due to the fact that more and more women are becoming theologically trained, formally and informally. And I think that's really important to say because I, you know, it's not a, it's not a one, one way to get theologically educated. But as that happens, they're writing studies and they're, they're writing books that are just more deeply grounded in the word, more the focus is more the Lord and what he's doing and the gospel and how Christ accomplished it than maybe what's going on in our day-to-day life. And so as that happens, women desire, they taste the deeper things of the Lord, right? The word tells us taste and see that the Lord is good and they do and they want more of it. It actually causes us to hunger for more and more of his word, which is exactly what God promised when he promised the new covenant, right? In Ezekiel, when he said, I will call, I'm going to give them a new heart. I'm going to take out their heart of stone. I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. And when I do that, I'm going to cause them to walk in my ways. And so I think he is causing this. And then he's raising up women to speak into it as he's causing other women to hunger more deeply for mm. the things of the Lord. So these are a lot of really positive things that we're seeing today in, in women's ministry broadly. Joanna, I wonder, are there any weaknesses that you still see or areas that you would kind of, as you've thought about it, would say, I would love to see the church in America, let's say, continue to grow in this regard when it comes to women and women's ministry? You know, one thing I think in kind of our present day is we're used to having things really quickly and ready for the next new thing, Mm. moving on without settling in. And I think whether it's about the Bible studies that we're doing or the relationships that we are seeking in women's ministry, there can be the temptation to move quickly to the next thing, to expect quick transformation instead of settling in and living differently as a result of the word that we have experienced. It doesn't matter how incredibly written a resource is, you can go through the motions and you can kind of move on to the next one after that. And it's just so, it's just so typical. And that's not to say it applies to everyone, but it is somewhat typical to want things quickly and to want things now. You know, we talked about social media. We have our everything at our fingertips with our phones. But growth is not typically fast. It is usually slow. It usually is not very comfortable either. And we can be quick to move past discomfort and to move past patience and waiting. And I think that's one of the reasons why we need those relationships we were talking about, those mentorship type relationships where someone is able to see from the outside what we might not even see about ourselves and to say, hey, we need to settle in here. Have you 
really dealt with this thing? Or what would it mean for this passage of scripture we just read together to change the way that you walk out of this room now? Mm-hmm. That, that level of relationship, that level of transparency and a, a comfortability with another person can be really hard mm-hmm. sometimes. It's, it yeah. can be kind of scary to have that. Uh, what would you say to the lady listening right now who's saying, I would love that. Mm-hmm. But when I think about my women's ministry at my church, the women involved in it, the way the ministry is set up, the, the way the Bible study feels and goes, I, I don't feel like I have that. I feel like it's, it's just focused on teaching and I go and I, I learn some stuff about the Bible, but I don't feel like there's somebody that I can really open up to like that with. Mm. I would say make the uncomfortable step to find the woman who's older in the faith and to ask her. And it might not always happen organically. The woman I mentioned earlier, I went to her, I said, Robin, can you start meeting with me once a week? Because I have some stuff that I don't want to deal with, but I need to. And sometimes you have to make that first step. I think that if there's a fear of sharing those things, of being vulnerable, the thing that has helped me the most in that is to remember that the Lord knows my entire heart and that if I am in Christ, that is all the approval that I need. Mm. And so I am so free to share my sin. I am so free to share my struggles because it's already been paid for. Mm. There is nothing that I have to be afraid of sharing. Might I get hurt? Yes, but Christ is with me no matter what. He has accepted me. He has covered my sin. He has forgiven me. So I have so much freedom to share my struggles. And I think that when we can be the one to do that, even if no one else Mm -hmm. is, that makes space for others to then feel free to share their struggles. Uh, Because I can tell Courtney about a sin issue that I have in my life. And I know that she's not going to look down on me and think, Ooh, Joanna's not who I thought she was, but she's going to say, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's not the same sin struggle, she's still going to say, I get it. And we are both in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. So if that's something that maybe the, the younger Christian might need to do, they might need to be willing to kind of go out on a limb and ask somebody for, mm-hmm. for help. Courtney, what would you say to the maybe more mature Christian listening yeah. who might also in a different way feel intimidated by the idea mm-hmm. of opening their, themselves up? They think they should be further along than maybe mm-hmm. they are. Uh, What would you say to that person? Oh, I say it's one of the most important things that you will ever do. And that can be, I might be talking to a 30-year-old who I'm encouraging to disciple an 18-year-old or a 60-year-old I'm encouraging to disciple a 40-year-old. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's very little time in your adult life that you can't be the older woman because there are always younger women coming up behind us. And so I would say to create space and margin in your life and then intentionally invest that space and margin in other people. And the confidence comes from the exact same thing that Joanna was saying. The confidence to be the older woman, to walk with somebody, comes from the fact that I am covered in Christ. I am united to him. Nothing can change it. He's, uh, my sins are covered. And so I don't have to, in any way, shape, or form, pretend that I have it all together But I can say, oh, me too, because I have experienced it too. And so I would say to the older woman who feels that she needs to have it all together to remind yourself of the gospel truth that you don't and none of us do. 
And so we do enter into relationships as, to, to use the very popular and beautiful subtitle, we are all sufferers and sinners. And so where do we find comfort in Christ as fellow sufferers and sinners? Hmm. What's the biggest mistake, in, in your opinion, that pastors and elders and other church leaders tend to make when it comes to thinking about women's ministry in their church. And, and maybe this is an unintentional mistake. Maybe they, they have the best of intentions. They really want to support their church's women's ministry. But what do you see as maybe um, some mistakes they might make? They silo it, and they keep it off to the side and look over and think, oh, well, they're busy, they're happy, they seem to be doing stuff, and so I don't need to think much about that. That's, that's women's ministry, and we have now either hired or tasked somebody to be in charge of that. And so it's sort of this, this thing that's put in the corner, even though it might be thriving and vibrant and, and one of the richest ministries going on in the church. But what I would say the better model is integrating women's ministry into the life of the church and bringing this collaborative approach where you align the initiatives of the women's ministry with the strategic initiatives of the church and the pastor and leaders are talking to the women's ministry leaders about ways they can keep those things aligned and then investment in. I've seen some really beautiful things over the years. I've seen pastors who come in at least the maybe the first and the last of the Bible studies and pray for the women or teach a lesson or invest in some way. A lot of times when I go speak at a church, uh, the pastor will come in and, and start the conference. But I think one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen is a pastor who sat through the entire women's retreat and took notes hmm. he was so kind he was so encouraging so he and wasn't I thought, up front like leading the thing oh no he came as a participant hmm. to the women and it, and he wasn't um there judging like critiquing me grading me either he came up with lots of words of encouragement some questions that were just humble and kind and I told him at that retreat I said what you have just modeled for your women they see a man who is willing to care about what the women are learning, and be willing to learn in that environment. It's not a called worship service, so to learn from a woman and have conversations about it, it was just really a, a beautiful thing. So invest in it, be involved, and then invite women to, to speak into how they see how women's ministry can be aligned and integrated into the life of the church. How have you seen that last bit happen in your church or in churches you've been a part of? What is it? What might it look like for mm -hmm. an elder or a pastor who, who does want to incorporate the voices of women leaders in his church who know God's word, who know theology, wants to incorporate their voices and yet do it in a way that, that observes and maintains mm -hmm. scripture's teaching on mm -hmm on men and women's roles in the church? Yeah, I've seen a lot of good conversations happen, intentional question asking. I've had elders sit in my office before and ask questions about what I saw as the as even where the women, maybe there was disengagement. And, and so asking questions about that and then where it's appropriate, inviting them into the conversations to see how the church can move forward. And then in a broader sense, inviting women into conversations and at tables that are not specifically about women's ministry because the life of the church and the ministry of the church impacts all of the people in it, of which usually over 50% are women. And so I've had pastors who have had sermon prep teams that include men and women. 
um, sermon review teams that have men and women. So women can say, you know, it's just a lot of, it was a lot of football analogy, or that was a lot of, you know, and just kind of speak into it. Or when you said that, um, when you handled the passage in that way, it, this is what it felt like as a woman. And so just being able to speak into some of those things. And so the more I see men that are leading our churches, leaning on and inviting their sisters in Christ into their leadership without giving it away, right? But inviting them to speak into it. I think we're functioning as the fully functioning church then, as true complementarians that understand that we actually really need each other, right? right. It is not good that man should be alone. And so so inviting women into that saying, I actually need you as my mother, my sister, my daughter in the faith. I need your perspective. I need your voice. It strikes me that that nuanced, true living out of what scripture teaches on men and women it requires more wisdom and mm-hmm. care than probably either extreme, either mm-hmm. shutting women out completely and not listening to them or go on the other end and, and just saying there's no difference here. They're, men and women are equal and the same in terms of their roles in the church. The middle road is actually the harder road to navigate. So Joanna, a minute ago, Courtney mentioned that one of her encouragements for pastors is to not silo off their women's ministry and remain unengaged from it. I, I wonder though, are there some women's ministry leaders listening right now who might say, hold on, hold on. I actually, if I'm being honest, I thought it's siloed off (laughs) because the last time Mm. my pastor got involved, he started a medal and he kind of messed things up and made my (laughs) life a lot harder. He doesn't really understand. He doesn't listen well. Could you just let me do my thing Mm -hmm. and and we're going to thrive over here? What would you say to that, that woman? I would say you may be thriving over here, but a healthy women's ministry is not going to just impact the women, but it's going to have an impact on the church as a whole. And so that might be challenging um, in order to have those conversations. And yeah, sometimes there might be some ways that things are done that wouldn't be what you would love. But you know, I think that if we can go to the pastor or the leadership in the church and say, what would it look like for the women's ministry to align with the vision of the church and with the goals and the initiatives of the church? Um, that is an opportunity to open up that conversation so that these this ministry is also serving the church as a whole. Um, and so that the leadership of the church who might have wanted to silo it off then sees the value of this kind of integration with the whole church. Mm-hmm. Courtney, anything you add to that? No, I really like that. And I was just thinking about some practical examples of ways that inviting church leaders into what's happening in the women's ministry. There were a couple years where the senior pastor and I talked about how his sermon series and what the women were studying in Bible study could align. And so one year he preached through Ezekiel. And so we just racked our brains. What can we do? What can we do? Well, I ended up doing um, a Bible study on Joshua. So it was where the people came into the land and then when the people went out of the land. And it was just able to make those connections for women or one one season he preached through James and so we studied Proverbs and just looking at you know New Testament wisdom literature and Old Testament wisdom literature and so those conversations where like you said Joanna you you invite people into the conversation and say how can I go about what are some ways that we can collaborate and Mm -hmm. integrate so that we're not overdoing it by ourselves because you're right Matt it's not just it's not just church leadership that can silo women's ministry women's ministry can silo itself And that's a warning sign for all the reasons Joanna said. 
Maybe as a final question for both of you, Joanna, we can start with you. I wonder if you can speak to moms for a moment, whether it's biological mothers or adoptive mothers or even spiritual mothers. Any woman who is right now investing in the spiritual growth of the next generation. We've talked a lot about the importance of this mentorship type of work that we all do in different ways. But as you think about that labor, what reminder or encouragement would you offer to uh, the woman listening right now? I think I would offer the encouragement that God uses the small and often unseen, maybe what feels like unappreciated things, um, for big purposes in his kingdom that sometimes the work of that mentorship relationship, or for me right now, the work of trying to disciple a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and the five-month-old isn't talking yet, but you will get there (laughs) soon. It can feel almost futile sometimes. It can feel exhausting and draining and sometimes small. Um, But the Lord says that his kingdom is like a mustard seed that grows into a great tree, that it is these small things that he uses to bear fruit. Um, So don't grow weary in doing good. Our measure of success is not what the world says our measure of success is, that faithfulness to walk alongside those who are younger, whether that's you know, years or spiritually younger is a work that we are called to and that God will produce good fruit from that. Mm -hmm. Courtney, what would you add? I love that, Joanna. I think that you just hit the nail on the head. I think it's one of the most vital things we can do. And even as we look back through scripture, it, it's exactly what we see. It's Moses and Joshua. It's it's Jesus and 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Paul and Timothy and Titus. I'm writing a Bible study right now with a younger woman on the book of Titus, and we just keep reflecting on Paul and Titus's relationship and how that idea that one person invested in the life of another to make sure that the gospel message, which had been entrusted to that person, was then entrusted to the next. And it's, it is it is what we're called to do. It is the life of following Christ. Go and make disciples. And that does happen more in the quiet, mundane mm-hmm. moments of the day that just, it's the kitchen counter. It's come, let's just talk about your life and how the gospel informs what you're going through while I am chopping Brussels sprouts or whatever <laughs> it is. I mean, it's just that invitation into real life so that you really know each other and you're really walking with each other. But I would just, again, say, I think it's where you see fruit. It's we certainly can attest to women who have poured into us and the fruit that's been born and the fruit that's born in my life as I continue to invest in in others. I mean, that it's not a one, one-way street. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the fruit goes both ways. The wisdom goes both ways. The, the joy, I mean, it's, it's a vibrant relationship. It's not, a, it's not a let me tell you. It's a let's learn together. And so I would just say that, again, create and invest that margin in your life in the lives of the women around you. Mm. Well, Courtney and Joanna, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us today and, and reflect on women's ministry and Bible study and, and how all women and men can do this, can invest in the next generation uh, in such an important way. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks you so much. That was Courtney Doctor and Joanna Kimbrell on women's ministry in the U.S. For more, be sure to check out their new Bible study called Behold and Believe, a Bible study on the I Am Statements of Jesus. 
pick up a print copy of the book for 30% off, or get the ebook for 50% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. For more audio content like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a review. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.